Hey, fanatical elves. This is the Cleveland Oracle Speaks. I am the Village Elliot. I'm here to tell you about the past, present, and future of the Cleveland Browns. I've got some stats that will knock your, your socks off. Can't talk. But I'll tell you what. In 2023, the Cleveland Browns drafted players were outperformed by the undrafted players. Really? Yes, really. And I'll tell you all about it in just a minute. Let's see if I can fix the sound up a little bit. I'm going to do this every time, every show. Oh, there's my audio. That should help. And this makes it a lot better, doesn't it? All right, so here we are. I have um, some just amazing stats to share with you. And uh, really, it's not even a statistical thing, but it's something that you can, you know, if you stop to think about it, uh, it's not that the Browns uh, drafted poorly. In fact, this is pretty much every season. Uh, but the undrafted players really make up an important part of a football team. And the draft doesn't mean as much as people think think, especially in year one. Now, year two, year three, year four, these players get better. They do not get worse. Now, in Cleveland, people tend to think that rookies maximize their potential in their first year and they never get any better. And so they're ready to give up on somebody if they don't have a stellar rookie season. That is a mistake. Uh, that's just not the way way it works in the NFL. It takes a while to learn how to play this game. It's the hardest game in the world. I've said that many times. And young players don't come into it being able to play automatically. All right, so let me uh, show you my PowerPoint presentation today. And oops, it's having a little trouble with this today. Here we go. There it is. And um, yeah, it's absolutely true that the undrafted players are performing very, very well. It's not that the undraft that it's not that the draft is bad. It's just that the undrafted players do more than you think. Okay, so here I've got a picture of uh, Dewan Jones, who was the really superstar from the uh, draft in 2023. But on the other hand, they also had some really incredible contributions from the undrafted side. And there's Ronnie Hickman, who played safety for the Browns and really came on in the second half of the year. Now, Dewan Jones, unfortunately, had his season cut short by a knee injury. We hope he's going to be just fine. But, uh, you know, he had a really great first half of the season and Hickman was really great in the second half of the season. And there's other stories like that uh, where, where you think that uh, the Browns only had good things happen out of the draft, but they happened from the undrafted players as well, especially in year one. Okay. I'm only talking about year one. Um, and also I'm cheating a little bit because I'm talking about uh, not just the, uh, uh, the drafted players, but also 
or not, not just the undrafted players, but also the recycled veterans that were obtained for about the same uh, amount of effort. And uh, in other words, that their contract is about the same size. And uh, it was essentially the same as picking up an undrafted rookie. That's my basic point. All right. And uh, let's see, why is this not advancing? There it goes. Um, all right. So you may say, I'm, Elliot, are you nuts? How can unwanted people that weren't drafted, how could they be better than these choice draftees? And uh, it's just absolutely nuts. Um, you may think I'm crazy. Maybe I am. But let me just show you what the numbers say. Uh, and also, let's separate year one from year two, three, and four. You know, Dewan Jones is going to be an all-pro, perhaps. Maybe Cedric Tillman will. Maybe he'll come through. Maybe Dorian Thompson-Robinson is going to be a starting quarterback in this league. And we all like Siaki Ika when he gets healthy. We think he's going to be pretty good. But I'm talking only about 2023, not 2025. And so you show me your numbers, and I'll show you mine. Okay, so what do we got? Um, here's the overall results from 2023. Browns drafted players were responsible for 59 games that they appeared in, 17 starts. Uh, they accumulated 440 passing yards, 224 receiving yards, not bad, but not great, 38 rushing yards, and that was mainly by the quarterback, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. On defense, they produced 24 tackles. Well, okay, 24 tackles, that's pretty good. But let's talk about the undrafted players. They appeared in 118 games, those games, games. Can't type, I'm sorry, but okay, uh, for those who have video. Um, they had 24 stars, seven more than the drafted players. The Browns' uh, undrafted quarterback, and I'm talking about P.J. Walker, who was a veteran, yes, but he was signed for a you know, small contract, not a huge contract, something that would be probably comparable to a mid-range draft pick. He produced 646 passing yards. Both he and Dorian Thompson-Robinson won a game for the Browns. And uh, as a reliever, um, PJ came in and won really two games, I would say. But okay, so officially he's one and uh, uh, one and one. Yes. Okay. Uh, the Browns undrafted players had only 47 receiving yards, and that was uh, the running back, um, Pierre Strong, compared to 224 for the drafted players. And that's uh, uh, mainly because the Browns drafted a wide receiver and didn't draft a running back. But, okay, rushing yards, the Browns undrafted players, P.J. Excuse me, uh, Strong, Pierre Strong, had 389 rushing yards. Um, well, that total also includes uh, uh, contributions from PJ and from uh, DTR. Um, but nevertheless, total 389 rushing yards compared to 38 for the drafted players. Let's talk about defense. 
Defensively, the undrafted players accumulated 106 tackles versus 24 for your drafted players. Uh, the undrafted guys also had two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, two interceptions, and one of those was a pick six. The um, undrafted players also accumulated 750 return yards. Holy cow. I don't think there's any question about it. These undrafted players really made a significant contribution in year one. Now, I don't know if they'll all be back. Um, the drafted players tend to stick around and uh, get more second chances than an undrafted player. And plus, the drafted players are selected for their long-range potential, and they probably will develop some more. But I'm talking about year one. Um, the impact of year one from the NFL draft is not as large as people think, uh, unless, of course, you draft C.J. Stroud, but we didn't do that. Let's talk about the people in particular. Who did we draft and where did they come from? And this is roughly in order of the impact on a team as judged by me. Um, okay, the best player by far was Dewan Jones. He really played at a tremendous high level. Uh, we only got nine starts out of the lad before he went down with an injury, but he made the NFL all-rookie team as a tackle. And uh, uh, no question, he was a, a tremendous pick. He came in the fourth round, though. It wasn't like he was our first-round draft pick. Of course, we didn't have a first-round draft pick. That was Deshaun Watson. Uh, then after Jones, I would say the next most impactful uh, draftee was Cameron Mitchell, who came in the fifth round, and he contributed 18 tackles, started three games, and had himself a pretty good year. I think most people were very pleased with uh, Cameron's work. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson was the quarterback, and he filled in three times, won one game, and uh, contributed 440 passing yards and also contributed some rushing yards as well. Maybe he ran more than we really wanted him to, and he got himself hurt. So that, I think, is a rookie uh, mistake that he will outgrow. He will learn to choose his opportunities better in the future. But that's part of being a rookie is making those kind of mistakes. Cedric Tillman. Oh, Cedric. Cedric was our top uh, pick. We Remember, we traded for Elijah Moore uh, and traded back out of the second round and into the third round with the two draft picks in the third round. Tillman uh, showed a lot of ability. He only had 224 receiving yards in year one, and a lot of it I think he needs to grow up a little bit, I'm sorry to say, but we saw him give up on some plays thinking that the play was over and he wound up being targeted by the quarterback and here he is jogging to finish out the play and the ball comes his way. And that's kind of embarrassing at the NFL level. So he did stuff like that in his rookie season. Those are correctable. Uh, he has to decide whether he wants to be an NFL player or whether he wants to play NFL football. Those are the, you know, those are not quite the same thing. And, uh, we need somebody that wants to play, and I hope, I believe, that that will be Cedric Tillman. He has the ability and really just needs to, to sharpen his um, instincts, I believe. It's not a question of technique. Uh, Isaiah McGuire uh, did pretty good. 
played the defensive line for the Browns, had a start, had six tackles and two quarterback hits. Uh, Siaki Ika was injured most of the time, uh, had one quarterback knockdown, um, but didn't accumulate any tackles. <clears throat> uh, Luke Whipler uh, can play center, can play guard, and he had the equivalent of about one full game, 57 snaps, and his grade was pretty good. 64.6 was a pretty reasonable grade in, okay, limited data sample. But he looks like he's probably a pretty good offensive lineman. Just, just draft anybody from Ohio State. This is a very simple draft technique. How about that? Um, but, yeah, he did very, very well. And now one of the things that I would advocate is making trades like the Browns did. Uh, they traded – their second round pick got Elijah Moore plus a third round pick, and that uh, became Cedric Tillman. So they really got two wide receivers out of the deal. The Browns or the uh, Jets drafted a center. I can't remember his name, but that, that guy was a pretty stable influence on the Jets offensive line, which is not good overall. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think that Jets did well with that pick. But, Nevertheless, the Browns really got a player who could play right now and got 640 receiving yards. So he was not a draft pick. He was traded uh, to the Browns for a draft pick. And that, I think, makes a lot of sense based on the notion that the draft pick, as a draft pick, won't make that big of a contribution in year one if that's what you're after. If you're trying to impact the team uh, maximum in the year that you have the draft picks, you ought to think about making trades like, like they made last season. That was a good one. Um, okay, let me shift to a public service announcement and actually an outright commercial. Uh, let's keep up with Bernie Kosaro, number 19. And Bernie is very active in charity work uh, it makes a lot of charity appearances. I had the good fortune to be able to meet up with Bernie at one of these things at uh, Beaver Creek Browns backers. And, uh, you, know, you know, along with his friends, uh, Reggie Langhorn, Greg Pruitt, Paul Warfield. Uh, he didn't play with uh, Pruitt and uh, Warfield, but uh, they're still very good friends being Browns alumni. And there's also Hanford Dixon. Um, wow, the top dog. So uh, he has a lot of fun doing it. You know, he makes appearances at charity golf uh, tournaments and the like. And his charities are pretty uh, impactful, I would say. And um, I'm going to talk about that in a, a future show, about some of the things that he does. The uh, specifically the Robert Smalls Legacy Foundation, which helps to send uh, kids to college, uh, and especially kids that are from uh, social circumstances that don't ordinarily result in people going to college. So it's a really good thing. Robert Smalls Legacy Foundation, Bernie Kosar supports that. We, I support Bernie Kosar number 19. And also, let's do a commercial for Old Bernie. He's introduced a product called Kosar Coffee. And uh, so check it out. 
Uh, it's on his website, and you can order some Kosar coffee, and I think it would be a great present for anybody that you love or even if you're just friends with them. What a cool idea. So there's Bernie. Uh, a way to say thank you to Bernie is to buy some of his coffee. How about that? It's a little bit late for Valentine's Day, but okay, you can buy it anytime, of course. All right, so that brings us to the point in our show where we uh, play commercials on many of the platforms that carry this show. And I'll pause for five seconds, and for some people it'll be a few minutes, and be right back. Okay, and we are back. And remember, we've talked about the drafted players and how well they did. We had some good contributions from drafted players, but, you know, Dewan Jones being the star, but also trading away a draft pick for a young veteran was probably a good idea. That worked out very well with Elijah Moore. Became the number two wide receiver for the Browns. Actually, he's more of a slot receiver, nevertheless. He contributed um, quite a bit uh, as, you know, the Browns didn't have uh, a lot of targets in, uh, in the uh, wide receiver area. Um, but look at what happened with the undrafted players plus recycled veterans that were obtained for about the NFL minimum, not much more. Mike Ford, the cornerback. 16 games, 28 tackles, an interception, and a fumble recovery. Ronnie Hickman, the safety from Ohio State, 10 games, four starts, 25 tackles, a pick six, and he was ranked as a top 20 safety by pro football focus, or I should say graded as a top 20 safety. The pro football focus always protests that their grades are not meant to be evaluations of players. So, okay, right pro football focus so why have these numbers if they don't mean that but anyway he graded very highly by pro football focus um, Pierre Strong was not actually picked up directly but he was traded uh, for another undrafted free agent Tyrone Wheatley Jr. was traded to New England for Pierre Strong and so really in effect uh, he came as the equivalent of an undrafted free agent and he um, did pretty well. He was injured a lot, unfortunately, <clears throat> but when he was on the field, he returned uh, returned kicks, and he also uh, ran the ball, and he caught it out of the backfield. He did everything well. He just wasn't on the field as much as we would like to have seen, but yeah, he did pretty good. Um, P.J. Walker, a quarterback, was signed after the season started when Deshaun Watson um, had some injury issues developing. He started two games, won one of them, and threw for 646 yards. He was not a great performer, but if it wasn't for PJ, you know, he really held the team together uh, for a while as uh, as the rookie Dorian Thompson Robinson was learning the playbook. Um, Jaron Christian, by the way, a lot of people call him Jaron Christian, but I heard him pronounce his own name on a video, and he pronounces it Jaron Christian. He started nine times, was not fantastic among starting tackles, graded 76th according to Pro Football Focus, I believe, but still, um, he was uh, 
the guy that kind of plugged the hole in the offensive line after the Browns had so many injuries on the offensive line. Um, so, you know, that was also a very important acquisition. Uh, Kalef Hailasi was taken at the end of uh, summer camp, summer training camp, and he did very well. He, he uh, had a start at the end of the year, and uh, in total he produced eight tackles and uh, one forced fumble and played on special teams. Did a good job for the Cleveland Browns. Looks like he has a future. Matthew Adams, a linebacker, similarly 16 tackles, uh, one start, had a forced fumble. He did pretty good. I probably, actually, I probably should have bumped him up about two or three places because he really did pretty well for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Deron Harmon was a veteran but signed uh, for a, a rather low uh, contract, nothing really special. Uh, played four games and um, had an interception and 16 tackles. That's pretty good for four games. Mohamed Diabate, linebacker, uh, was so good out of training camp that they had to keep him. And uh, he was mainly on special teams, but when they put him in at linebacker, he looked like, man, he could really play linebacker. So I'm very hopeful about him. James Prochet became the punt returner for the Cleveland Browns uh, after the season started, and the Browns had some um, injury issues, and they wanted to get other people um, in other roles, I guess you could say. And uh, so he wound up with 216 all-purpose yards. The Browns also signed Jeff Driscoll as a, I guess he was what, the number six quarterback, something like that, five or six. He started the last game with very little time with the playbook and with the Browns players. Did not do particularly well, um, but I really, I've liked Jeff Driscoll, followed his career since he was with the Bengals. I think he can contend to be the third-string quarterback for the Cleveland Browns uh, in 2024. I'm hoping that they do, in fact, have three quarterbacks on the roster and a fourth one on the practice squad, which I advocated since forever. Uh, I think I was proven right this year that that would have been the right approach, and um, that's what they should do. I don't know if they'll do it or not. Anyway, I hope Jeff... Jeff will find a role with the team in one form or fashion. Vincent Gray was a free agent safety, appeared in just one game, uh, practice squad elevation, but he did really well uh, in that last game against the Bengals. It produced five tackles and looked like, man, this guy might be able to play safety also. Browns looks like they have young safeties uh, everywhere. It's really impressive. Leroy Watson. Didn't play very much, didn't have a start. But on the other hand, when he did play, he graded pretty well and actually a little bit higher than Jerome Hudson III. And um, that, I don't know, Hudson might be in trouble keeping a roster spot next season. And if Leroy Watson can make the team, that might be uh, a uh, improvement. But anyway, he looked pretty good for the time that he was in there. The Browns also signed, remember that they had the kicker and the punter, both went out with injuries in the same game, but they have uh, Riley Patterson as a kicker. He is still on the roster, I believe. Uh, and he's uh, not as accomplished as Dustin Hopkins, 
But the Browns have to think about whether they want to keep Dustin Hopkins' salary um, on their uh, uh, under their cap this season. Patterson might be a lower cost alternative and might be almost as good, especially because Hopkins wound up pulling a hamstring. And I'm not sure if that's a good injury for a kicker to have, and especially if we're going to invest a lot of money in him. I hope that they find it. Well, they will consider um, Mr. Patterson, I believe. We'll see uh, how that works out. Uh, and similarly, uh, Matt Hack punted for one game, did pretty well. All these guys were signed as undrafted free agents or as recycled veterans, didn't cost Browns any uh, trade material per se. And um, I think it worked out pretty well. So uh, what was the best use of a draft pick? Well, number one is that they did really well with Dewan Jones and uh, he really looks like uh, he's a threat to make the Pro Bowl. Uh, if he, you know, hopefully that knee injury will uh, heal just fine, and hopefully he'll be able to manage his weight a little bit. He went up and down a little bit over the off season last year. The Browns also um, made a good trade. They gave up their second round pick. And they received Elijah Moore and a third-round pick that became Cedric Tillman. And I'd have to say that certainly for that first year, they won that trade. Elijah Moore was a very good contributor on offense. Now, we only have Elijah for, I think, this year. Or, yeah, this is his fourth year, right? And so, ooh, we're going to have to uh, re-sign him to a larger contract to keep him after this year. And meanwhile, the you know the Jets will probably win the trade then in terms of value in year uh, three and four because their rookie center will continue to be on the team at a lower salary. Cedric Tillman, on the other hand, is kind of the wild card. He has the potential to be really a good NFL receiver, but I think he still needs to prove himself. Um, he has the ability, but um, he needs to be – uh, how shall I say, more focused and more into the game on a play-by-play -play basis, in my opinion. What about these open roster spots where you're able to bring on somebody in the uh, either at the end of the year or end of the, I should say, the uh, preseason uh, or even during the season? Well, because they were able to manipulate the roster. They were able to sign players like Joe Flacco. Um, aren't you glad that the Browns didn't have some seventh round draft pick that they were afraid to cut? Instead, they did have a roster space available or they made one available for Joe. And he really played like the Super Bowl MVP that he once was. He won the Comeback of the Year Award and did great for the Browns. We hope that we can see him re-signed as the backup for uh, 2024. We'll see about that. The um, runner-up move was probably signing Kareem Hunt. Remember when Nick Chubb went down, Kareem Hunt was still a free agent. Uh, he did not have a great year in 2022, 
But this season, he dropped a few pounds, got in really good shape, and uh, was still a very tough inside runner and got the tough yardage when it was like third and one or fourth and one. Kareem Hunt was the guy who usually got the ball and usually made good on it. And so he was a very valuable player. Plus, he's very good at catching passes out of the backfield. And uh, he was part of a committee that uh, partially replaced Nick Chubb. So that was a good signing as well. Um, those, you know, being flexible and being able to bring in talent uh, is important. And then other uh, guys that really contributed after the season started, Jaron Christian, uh, he plugged the hole at left tackle. Wasn't fantastic player. I'm not saying that he's going to make all pro or anything like that. But once again, it could have been a lot worse. What if you had had some seventh round tackle that you uh, were going to put on the field no matter what? And, you know, that could have been bad. So I'm glad we didn't have that. I'm glad that we were able to make room for Jaron Christian to play. Uh, for the Browns at left tackle. He really, you know, in some ways you could say he saved the season because he held it together uh, well enough that our quarterback didn't get killed. And then uh, Riley Patterson, I think, is a very underrated resource, and he might wind up being the Browns kicker. We'll see about uh, how Hopkins is and if the Browns can afford him with the salary cap issues that they have. Uh, James Prochet also was impactful as the team's punt returner. So uh, there were some very good moves that were made during the season. And really, you have to be able to. There were others, by the way, as well, many, many signings. And you have to be able to make those signings in order to have a football team this, uh, you know, these days with a 17 player roster. So I think it's very important to have flexibility in the roster. And if you were married to uh, these draft picks, like back in the day, in the Sashi Brown days, the Browns used to contrive to have like 17 draft picks. Well, isn't that wonderful? But then they were afraid to cut these guys and they wound up uh, cutting some, some real talent um, because they're afraid to cut people that were drafted. You know, they are kind of attached psychologically to sixth and seventh round picks that aren't, even if they're not performing, they won't cut them. It's just psychologically general managers hate to cut players that they have drafted. And uh, I don't know that I think it's a great idea to draft 17 players. There are more players to be had on the open market for the same amount of money. And these undrafted kids, the reason why they're better, I think, is because you get to audition more of them. So if you have like, let's say, well, we've got three open roster spots this year uh, at uh, training camp and we've got 25 guys that are competing for it. Well, you get to pick the best one. But once you draft a guy in the seventh round, you're stuck with that guy. You have one seventh round draft pick and one roster spot for him. And rather than 25 guys uh, competing for an open roster spot. So uh, I'm not an advocate of keeping seventh round draft picks at all. I think, you know, I'm in a minority of uh, opinion on this point, 
but I don't I think seventh round draft picks are actually detrimental to a team because they prevent the team from having the open roster spot and having the ability to compete on many players to make the team uh, that are capable and deserving. Whereas a seventh round draft pick, you just sort of have to pray that you, you know, you're lucky and you got it right. But more often than not, seventh round draft picks are not impactful and do not wind up having NFL careers. So anyway, that's my sermon there. I don't really like that idea very much at all. And okay, so um, all right, so what's the explanation? And I think I've already told you a lot about it. I've got ahead of myself a little bit. But rookies, I'm sad to say, rookies are just not that good. You think that they're going to draft seven players or eight players, as the case may be, and that they're all going to be start uh, starting players and they're all going to be impactful. Maybe that's not actually true. Uh, there are exceptions, you know, like Dewan Jones for the Browns. Certainly C.J. Stroud of the Texans was an impactful rookie. But most of the time, these drafted players get better in years two, three, and four. They do not hit their peak in year one. They just don't. Rookies just don't peak in year one. They're not as good as you think in their first year. And your team, the Cleveland Browns, is not going to get rich from the draft in 2024, especially because they don't have a number one draft pick. Now, the number one pick is usually going to be a starter on your team. The number two pick, probably also. Um, so I think that, you know, the Browns will probably have a starter come out of the draft, maybe even year three, but they could very well have uh, players that come from the undrafted side as well that wind up starting. And um, tomorrow on this show, I'll talk, we'll talk about the implications of this kind of thought process on the draft and how to manipulate the roster. I will tell you in advance that I do not have the orthodox view that you just draft seven players, you know, one in each round and and keep them forever. Um, I do favor making moves, and uh, we'll talk more about it on tomorrow's show. All right, so that's what I got for you. Kind of an amazing story that undrafted players actually contribute more than the drafted players. Pretty wild stuff. I hope it wasn't too much of a shock. Maybe some of you, some of you will agree with me. Some of you will still think I'm crazy, and maybe I am crazy. But nevertheless, I presented my case. My numbers show, I think, that the Browns were... Um, more impacted by their undrafted players and their recycled free agents than by the drafted players. The drafted players, uh, I think, will improve and they will be better in year two, three, and four than they were this season. Uh, And we can look forward to that. But for one year, for the first year, 
those draft picks are usually not as impactful as people believe. That's that's my opinion. Uh, all right, I'm signing off. Everybody have a great day, and go Browns.